Welcome to the study of God's Word with pastor and author Ed Taylor, recorded live at Calvary Church in Aurora, Colorado. To learn more about the many resources available through Abounding Grace Media or to tune into our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Now here's Pastor Ed to take us into our study. Amen. Amen. Take your Bibles, open them to two places, would you? Mark chapter 10, that's where we're going to start, and 1 Corinthians chapter 1. Mark chapter 10, and then we'll go to 1 Corinthians chapter 1 after that. And I've entitled our Bible study, this is the servant's class number one, God uses ordinary people. And that's good news. God uses regular, ordinary people. So let me ask you a question. Do you want to be someone that God can use? You can answer that out loud. Even if you're watching on video. Do you want to be someone that God can use? And the answer is yes. Are you looking for help in becoming that man and that woman that God uses to make a difference in this world? And of course, yes. That's why we're here. We want to grow in the grace and the knowledge of Jesus so we can be more usable, not less. And I know that's part. I was talking to someone recently. We were just, now the the word to describe that, making an impact on your culture, is legacy. I mean, what is going to be your legacy? What will you be remembered for? What, What will people that have been in your life, what kind of impact will you make? And it comes by your abiding relationship with Jesus and your choice to obey him and to serve him. In our next few weeks, we're going to learn a little of what the Bible teaches about servanthood. And it is my prayer and has been my prayer that it's one of the best times of your spiritual life and that it impacts you, your heart and your life, and that you step in to serve and that you serve well. Now, I know the question will come up in a Bible study like this. Okay, pastor, are you teaching this class just for the purpose of getting more people to serve in the church? And that would be a great question to ask. Is it just for more servants in the church? Well, I'd answer it this way. Yes. But it's not just for more servants. But you are right on. If you are not currently serving in the context of this church, I want you to serve. I want you to use your gifts and talents. I want you to step up and answer the call that the Holy Spirit has put on your life. And I want you to serve. If you've been serving long ago and you haven't served in years, I want you to serve again. The goal of serving in this church is 100% participation, but not just merely serving in this church. Serving in this church is like a gift God gives us to practice on other people that are born again to teach how to deal with issues, teach us how to deal with issues, teach us how to work through things, teach us how to apologize, how to repent, how to, how to serve him well. You could say that the church becomes an incubator of growing you and me into greater servants so that when we leave, it carries on outside of this building and it carries outside of the, it's not just for the church, but you can rest assured The purpose and motive of teaching these studies is so that you can become a greater servant of Jesus. The the thought of serving him should captivate. It's such a privilege to serve our Lord. He gave his life for us and we owe him everything. And here's the truth. The truth is that God wants to use you. He wants to use you. 
Now, there might even be times in your life where God wants to use you more than you even want to be used. Whether you even want to step in at all. And that's why we're calling it a servant's class. So you can learn these things. To be equipped and to grow in understanding how to present yourself to God. And what will make you more effective. Now, Jesus, when he was addressing his disciples. Well, you're already in Mark 10. Go back to Mark chapter 9. And notice in verse 33. Jesus, when he was addressing his disciples... He says here in verse 33, they came to the city of Capernaum and when he was in the house, he asked them, and he's talking to his disciples here, what was it that you disputed among yourselves on the road? But they kept silent. For on the road, they had disputed among themselves who would be the greatest. And he sat down and he called the 12 and he said to them, if anyone desires to be first, he shall be last of all and servant of all. This is a very important principle of the kingdom of God. It's in stark contrast to the world in which we live and how this world and culture operates. Those of us with that desire to want to serve and those of us with that desire to be faithful that want to be great in God's kingdom, Jesus says, the way to be great in God's kingdom is to be the servant of all. You could say it this way, the way up in God's kingdom is actually down. And it's very different from how the world has taught us, how we've grown up in the world, how things work in the business world. It's very, very different. Notice with me now in Mark chapter 10, Jesus elaborates on this distinction. And I want you to see it. It's foundational and fundamental for you to understand this. Mark chapter 10, pick up in verse 42. But Jesus called them to himself and said to them, you know that those who are considered rulers over the Gentiles lord it over them and their great ones exercise authority over them. He's giving them an illustration with knowledge they already have. And he's basically saying this, you know how they do things in this world. They lord over, they take control, and they exert their authority. It was happening then, and listen, friend, it happens now. They will even teach you, and you'll pick it up along the way, whether anyone ever sat you down, but they'll talk about climbing the corporate, say it out loud, what do you climb? The ladder. And it's true in any business, really, but you're going to climb the ladder. Why? So that you can be at top. That's the whole goal. Get to the top. And hey, you know what? There's a lot of stories surrounding that ladder because there's a lot of people walking around with shoe prints on their face from people that kicked them down off the ladder and took advantage of them and exerted authority over them and lorded over them to get to the top. I mean, I think of it, there's another way of thinking of this, another language that we use. In the business world, we talk a lot about seniority, seniority. And so the more seniority you have, the way it works is the more seniority you have, the less work you have to do and the more benefits that you get. And seniority has a way of developing in the world this sense of entitlement. Hey man, I've been around long enough. Hey man, I paid my dues. That's another principle in the world. Now, let me just say for a moment, having come from the corporate world myself, I understand seniority is, is important and can be a part of your benefit package. I'm not speaking about that but how people take advantage of it to use others. That's how the world operates. 
And Jesus is just saying in their day, you know how it is with those that are, you know how the Gentiles, you know how the world does things. And then notice what he says. He says in verse 43, that's not going to be the way among you. Yet it shall not be so among you. But whoever desires to become great among you shall be your servant. Circle the word servant there. Remember the New Testament originally was written in the Greek language. And this word for servant in the Greek language we have already learned in Acts chapter 6. It's the Greek word diakonos, where we get our English word deacon. It's exactly, exactly what was being looked for in those men that God was raising up in the early church to handle the difficulty with the widows. He says, if you want to be great, anybody that wants to be great, you got to go, you got to take the place of a servant. Take the place. The word literally means to wait on. And the best picture I can think of that would relate to us today is like a good waitress or waiter, someone who waits on your table. And you know the good waiters and waitresses from the not-so-good waiters and waitresses. And the, the good ones, they just never let your cup get empty. And they're always cleaning the table and rearranging things. And they seem to always show up right at the right time. Do you need anything else? And they're very attentive. Why? Because they're watching you. And don't be weirded out by that. It's their profession. They're, they're looking and watching to make sure that you're well taken care of. They're, they're anticipating for you. And they're not intrusive, but they're also there to serve you with whatever you need. And when you ask them to do something, what do they do? They do it. And that's the word here. The, the word means to wait on. It also has a definition of in the dust laboring. So, so just getting your hands dirty and doing what needs to be done. That's what this, you want to be great? Then get your hands dirty and do what needs to be done. Serve God, not like the world. Don't worry about climbing a ladder. Don't worry about prominence. Don't worry about notoriety. Don't worry about getting any of the credit. That's not going to happen. Jesus, you're going to follow me? That's not going to happen. And verse 44, whoever of you desires to be first shall be the slave of all. Circle the word slave. Right next to it, bond servant. Because that's how it's most often translated in the New Testament. Paul would use this word to describe himself many, many times. It's the Greek word. It's a different Greek word now. He's adding a different Greek word. This is the Greek word doulos, D-O-U-L-O-S. And this word speaks of a bondservant or person who was sold out completely. These are two important words. Completely and voluntarily. Nobody is making you serve. Nobody's making me serve. I do so with a complete commitment to Jesus, and I do so voluntarily. Of all that God has done for me, I want to step in and serve him all the days of my life. That, that's what you desire. I guess if we had to summarize this as you get ready to serve in this church, this is how we'd summarize it. Leadership, servanthood in the church is not like the world. The church does not operate like the world. There are no ladders to climb. There is no seniority to earn. We are all equal servants. Give me an amen on that, please. We are all equal. We all are servants before God, every single one of us. The role that I have here and the role that you have doesn't make me any better than you and it doesn't make you any better than me. Across the board, 
the summary of our lives is we are just servants of the king. That's our responsibility. You go, wait a minute, Ed, wait a minute. There is some kind of difference with you. I mean, you're the pastor, you're the teacher. Well, I, let me describe that distinction for you. What makes you and me different is not that we're both servants. Here's what makes you and me different today. I've been given more responsibility. That's what makes us. You have a responsibility, I have a responsibility, but within the context of this church, I have more responsibility than you do. And learning from the Bible, you know what that means? To whom much is given, much is required. So much more is required of me than it is of you. Even though we're only supposed, both of us are supposed to just be faithful. That's it. Just be faithful to God. But yeah, I have more responsibility. I'm going to answer to God for the responsibilities given to me. But it doesn't make me any better than you. It doesn't mean that now I can serve less. No, the more responsibility is someone's given, the more you serve. That's how Jesus described it. He said, listen, if you're faithful with the little things, what? You'll be given more. That's the reward of faithfulness. You're going to be given more. And if you're unfaithful with what you have, you know what happens? Even what you have will be taken from you. And guess who it's given to? The faithful one. And so God is looking for faithfulness. Across the board, we're all servants but some have more responsibilities than others. And to whom much is given, much is required. There's a lot more words used in the New Testament to describe servanthood. Some of them surround, uh, describe being an attendant and attending to things. Some describe being a household servant, taking care of the home. Others describe this under rower, which gives us the picture of the ancient ships. They were propelled by men rowing. And those that were in the lowest of the lowest decks, they would be there rowing. You wouldn't see them. You wouldn't know. But you would know. You would know they're being faithful. You would know that they're rowing by the progress of the ship. And you're like, oh, I, I don't know who they are. I've never met them. But we're making progress. We're moving forward. So the under rowers must be doing what they've been asked to do. And it's true in the church. You know there are faithful, you know the capacity of the faithful men and women in your church by the progress of the church. You may never meet them. I mean, there's so much going on behind the scenes, so much that happens that we don't know about, but we know it's happening because the church is progressing. And it's important that you grasp this fundamental truth that the way up is down, being a faithful servant. The great evangelist D.O. Moody once said this, the measure of a man is not by how many servants you have, but how many men you serve. It's not by what you have, but how God uses you. And now with those definitions, we understand that any believer, any believer living anywhere in the world, in any level of society, is a servant of the Lord. And that's good news. The good news is that God uses plain, ordinary people for the work of the ministry. He doesn't have super saints and different categories of people. He uses regular flawed human beings. He uses flawed human beings to reach flawed human beings. So as a believer in Jesus, whether you're one day old following him, just one day, one week, one month, or you're 70, 80, 90 years following him, it doesn't make a difference. You can serve Jesus. One day, 90 years, start serving him. Why? Because God uses ordinary people. And to me, that's good news. 
That's good news for all of you that didn't score very high on your SATs. And some of you are going, what's an SAT? Well, it's good for you that don't know what SATs are. It's good for those that didn't graduate from high school or barely made it through. It's good for you that you might look at yourself and you go, you know, I'm not, I'm not the smartest or I'm not good at this. or I'm not. Whatever you, however you examine yourself, it's good news for you because God is ready to use you as you are. He will gift you and equip you. He will use you because there's hope for us. There's hope that God will use ordinary people to do extraordinary things. And that's where we come to 1 Corinthians chapter 1. What a tremendous passage of the Bible. That if you haven't seen it yet, it would be good to memorize it or at least mark it in your Bible so you realize that God uses regular people just like you and me. He uses us who we are, and then begins to work on us from the inside out. Notice in verse 26, this is a letter that was written to a church in the city of Corinth, a, a very, a, a, a very sin-filled city, very much like ours or wherever you're watching or listening to this. And notice what he says, pick up in verse 26. For you see your calling, brethren, that not many wise, according to the flesh, not many mighty, not many noble are called. But God has chosen the foolish things of the world to put to shame the wise. And God has chosen the weak things of the world to put to shame the things that are mighty. And the base things of the world and the things which are despised, God has chosen. And the things which are not to bring to nothing the things that are. And here's the key, verse 29. So that no flesh, no human being, will be able to glory in his presence. God has made his choice, and we have the re responsibility of responding to it. He's made his choice. It says here that not many, and notice, not many wise, not many strong, you know, in a great place of position of strength, not many noble, maybe not many that came from an intact, strong family. I know many have been touched by divorce and difficulties and hardships. It's not many. Not many wise, not, not many that have this place, you know, when it says mighty here, speaking of a place of strength in society. He says not many, but he doesn't say, I want you to notice, not any. He doesn't say not any, he just says not many. So among us today are some very, very smart people and God wants to use you. And among us today are, are, are those that have great positions of authority in this world and God wants to use you. And some of you have a, a noble upbringing, an upbringing where, you know, you were raised in, in the Lord and everything worked out the way you want it to work out. There, there are some that have that testimony, but not many. Most of us are not the smartest ones. Most of us are not the strongest ones. Most of us are not the noble ones. We're just ones that God chose. And to me, that's good news. I find there, there really is no, no other passage in the Bible that best describes why I'm in the pulpit today than verse 27. That God has chosen the foolish things of the world and the weak and the base and the despised. I remember how I walked into a church. I remember. I, I'm here today. I didn't attend seminary. I barely made it through Bible college after pastoring this church for like 17 years. I finally finished Bible college. Yippee! Yay! 
But I was pastoring long before that. Like, like I, I, don't, I didn't get to go to college because of the lifestyle I lived when I was in high school. And that wasn't an option for me because now I'm a teenage parent and I need to raise my son and deal with all the difficulty there. Like, like this is it. I mean, if you ever encounter someone and they hear my story, go, you know, I don't know why you go to that. I, I don't know why you even go to that church. Your pastor didn't go to seminary. He didn't go to Bible college. Yeah, why would you even go to that church? Let me give you the answer. You ready? You open up your Bible. You open up the first Corinthians chapter one, verse 27. And you just read it to him. God has chosen a fool to be in that pulpit. That's it. He's a fool. He's taken a fool and he has filled him with wisdom and given him the gift of pastor teacher. And that's why I'm there because that's what God does. So that me being in the pulpit, and it's funny because over the years, you know, I've talked to different people over the years and they just kind of think that pastors are born wearing glasses coming out of the womb with a Bible in their hand. And that's just not how I came. Believe me, I wish I would have avoided all the sinful pain. I caused for myself and my family and my girlfriend and my son. I, I wish. I mean, isn't it the proverbial, you know, as we're serving, because we're serving a lot of broken people, aren't we? And, and it's like, you know, if we knew then what we know now, we'd probably make different decisions. But you know, that hypothetical is not possible. We can't go back and change anything. You, you can't change anything about your past as much as you can unscramble an egg. But I'll tell you what, you can't change your future. You can change today with generational change in your life by choosing to repent of your sins and follow Jesus with your life. And if you're saved, then you're saved to serve. You're not saved today because of all the good works you'll do. You're not saved today because of the morality you're adopting. You're not saved by good works. It's important for you to remember that. Because some churches will lay that heavy trip on you and that's not, you're not saved by all your good works. But I, you have to understand, you are saved for good works. That, that is the purpose of your life. And if you're willing to admit it in your own life, you can see that maybe you're the category of the foolish. Maybe you're the category of the weak. Maybe you're the category of the base or the insignificant. Or you're the category of what the world despises. And God has chosen you and called you so that you might serve him. The whole Bible is a panoramic picture and true story of God doing this over and over and over and over again. And I can say this definitively. God does not use perfect people. God doesn't. You want to know why? Because there's no such thing. There isn't a perfect person among us. The Bible is very clear, but we don't need the Bible to tell us this, but we agree with it. We have all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. There's nobody perfect among us. But it's not, that truth is not designed to create an excuse where you beat yourself up the rest of your life and you never really engage with your creator and say, okay, here I am. It's time for change. And I'm ready to serve you, God. I give you my life. I hold nothing back. And you know, the good news is, is that along the way, God will help you because we all have a lot to learn. That's something we all share in common. We're all servants of God and we still have a lot to learn. And we're gonna learn it together by failure. We're gonna learn it together by discipleship. We're gonna learn it together as we get up. The Bible says, though a man falls seven times, he'll rise again. 
But you don't learn anything if you're just sitting on your hands with some religious experience. Just so you can say you went to church or you, like, like that's going to get you nowhere. It's actually going to regress you and you're going to go backwards. Stepping into serving God, even telling somebody about God, even sharing your story. There's so many ways that you can be used of God. And in this, in this church, there are many, many opportunities. Someone once said that God is not looking for ability as much as he's looking for availability. Just be available to him. Make yourself available. God is looking for a willing and ready heart. And God just, he looks at the heart and that's where he starts to develop you on the inside. And if you're willing today, God will use you. He'll shape you. He'll mold you. He'll train you. But if you're not willing, then you won't serve him. Depends upon you. But knowing that God will use ordinary people opens a huge door for us. It's so encouraging for someone like me that can step in and say, okay, God, I just want to serve you. I'll do, I'll do whatever you want. I'll go wherever you want. I'm ready. And someone else once said, God, always doesn't, God doesn't always call the qualified into his service, but God always qualifies those whom he calls. I think that was a Chuck Smith quote. God doesn't always call the qualified into service, but God always qualifies those whom he calls. God is ready to help you and train you. In Ephesians chapter 2 and verse 10, it says, we are his workmanship created in Christ Jesus for good works, which he prepared beforehand that we should walk in them. So biblical and spiritual servanthood is ordained by God. And God is actively looking for men and women to serve him. I want you to think of it this way. God is always the initiator. He's always the initiator. We are the responders. And so you don't just have to find something to do and jump into something to do. In your prayer life, through your daily Bible reading and the Christian friends you surround yourself and Bible studies you listen to, Christian radio, well, you're going to be given direction on where to serve and how to serve. I mean, I want you to know this. Maybe you didn't know this, but God sends you an email every Friday inviting you to serve. And one of the ways you can serve is just pray over it. Every Friday you get one and a notification on your phone if you have the app. Every Friday God sends you a notification. I mean, if you think about this, it made me think. I didn't share it last night, but I remembered it today. I'm in ministry today. Because they handed out paper bulletins at the church I was at. And then they had a guy up there reading it. And there was an announcement there of a little class to take. That's where I met the missionary. Take this little class and learn more about the Bible. I'm like, okay, I want to learn more about the Bible. I went to that class. And that class set the direction of the rest of my life. If you would have told me, taking this class will put you in the pulpit in Colorado, I would have laughed at you. But I wasn't thinking that. All I wanted to do was what before me. I want to learn the Bible. They said they're going to teach it to me. So I'll take this time. And so, look, there are opportunities abound. God is always initiating, always inviting. He wants you to cooperate with him. Listen to this in 2 Chronicles chapter 16 in verse 9. It says, For the eyes of the Lord run to and fro throughout the whole earth to show himself strong on behalf of those whose heart is loyal to him. God is looking for loyalty and fidelity to him. And when he finds it, 
He starts to work on the inside. If you're loyal to God, he will hone in on that loyalty. It's not knowledge. It's not, well, I just need to know more. No, what God's looking for is loyalty and fidelity. It's your vertical relationship with God. That's where it starts. So as you're going through the servant's class, I don't want you to think, well, I just need to go do something. No, what you need to do is pray, get the ministry application, go online and start praying about how God wants to use you. But it starts with him. I would say even this Bible study, as you're preparing to serve, this Bible study is God's way of initiating and getting it on the table for you. So you can really step into Serving, even if you haven't served for a long time, it's time for you to come back. Your gifts need to be used for the kingdom. Not just for the church, though, but so that as light, salt and light in a dark world, you've been practicing serving. You've gotten over some of your awkwardness or fear or any of the things, you know, talking to someone's kind of awkward for you. But you learned at church, hey, you were invited somebody out to coffee. You can do that at work, too. Uh, You prayed with somebody in a service. You can do that outside of the church, too. There's so much to learn, and God is looking for that fidelity in your heart. Let me give you another scripture. Ezekiel chapter 22 and verse 30. These hidden gems, they're so good. Ezekiel chapter 22 in verse 30 says, So I sought for a man among them who would make a wall and stand in the gap before me on behalf of the land that I wouldn't destroy it, but I found no one. And you know, we don't want that to happen among us. As God's eyes are going through this room, let his eyes stop here and find many loyal men and women that will serve him. God can do anything and wants to do something on the earth today, and you are his chosen vessel. I mean, to me, it just blows me away to think that God would choose me, that he would allow me, and that he would enlist me. It's such a high and holy privilege to serve God in these last days. In judgment to Saul, after Saul's disobedience, King Saul, again, another scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 13, listen to what God says to, to Saul here. He says, your kingdom's not gonna continue. The Lord has sought for himself a man after his own heart. And the Lord has commanded him to be the commander over his people because you have not kept what the Lord commanded you. Think about that. God has sought for himself a man. And again, by application, that would be men and women today. In this particular case, he was looking for a king. He sought for himself a man that was after his own heart. Did he find that man, church? What was his name? David. Was David a perfect man? No. And God used him greatly. We read a psalm today that was written by David. God will use what you give him. Again, Pastor Chuck Smith taught us, you do your best, you commit the rest. Come to him as you are. And learn how to serve him. David wasn't looking for a position. He wasn't looking for a title. When he was found, he was just tending his father's sheep. Just taking care of what was in front of him. Let me give you another scripture. Proverbs chapter 5 and verse 21. The ways of a man are always before the eyes of the Lord. And he ponders all his paths. Let me give you another one. Proverbs 15 verse 3. The eyes of the Lord are in every place, keeping watch on the evil and the good. God is always the initiator, waiting for our response, searching inside of us, looking for loyalty, looking for fidelity, looking for that sense of commitment 
and voluntary sacrifice on his behalf. That's what builds a legacy. It's a day that leads to a week, that leads to a month, that leads to a year, that leads to a lifetime, and that lifetime leaves a legacy. All it requires is that first step. And you took the greatest step you could ever take by repenting of your sins. <laughs> There's no greater step than admitting before God that you need his forgiveness. These other steps, God's going to meet you every single one, every single one, every single one. Will, will things be hard? Yeah. Will they be painful? Yes. Will it be very hard? Yes. Will it be very, 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 very hard? Yes. Will you walk around with wounds and limbs? Shall I go on? It's not going to be easy. But nothing that's worth it is going to be easy. And this is worth it to yield the rest of your life to serving God. Something that's been resonating with me for many years, but just recently in these last couple years, resonating with me, I've shared this phrase before, but it might be new for you. As I look at my own age, I look moving forward, I've come to the conclusion, and I believe it's an accurate conclusion, that in serving God with my life, I have more years behind me than I have in front of me. I have more years. If I live the, to the typical age, uh, even if I live to a typical age, I have more years behind me than I have in front of me. And I want to finish well. I don't want to go into coasting and neutral, but I, I want to press into what God has for me. And I want to be used in even greater capacity because I don't have that many years ahead of me to serve the Lord before his coming. And, and it's a very strong, it's not a fatalistic view for me. It's just reality. The reality is I got a few more years left. And even in those latter years, my body might not be able to keep up. Who knows what, ha what could happen? But I want to use the latter years of my life to go out stronger than when I began, and especially stronger than the years that I lived apart from Christ. Now, you younger people, you're kind of doing the math, you're going, wait a minute, uh, you know, uh, Pastor, uh, I think I have more years ahead of me than I have behind me, so I'll worry about that later. Listen, and listen carefully. Nobody knows the day of their death. Nobody. You can't bank on this thought that we'll always have tomorrow. I'll always have next week. I'll always have next year. Because even a very young man can die a sudden death. A young woman. So you can see the importance of learning how to serve. It is not, and let me clarify, it is not just to get things done around here at the church. Because I'll tell you the truth as if I would never not tell you the truth, but I'm going to try to emphasize so you understand something. God doesn't need you. We don't need you to serve here. God will get things done without you. He doesn't need us. I mean, imagine that. He doesn't need us. Now, you guys are a little bit nicer. You're not booing or yelling at me like first service. This is, it's like, what do you mean he doesn't need me? He doesn't need you. God doesn't need us but he's chosen us. Think about that. Like God can accomplish his will perfectly without us. We all mess things up. He could do it without us messing things up. He doesn't need you, but he wants you. I mean, that's just unbelievable. He wants to use you. 
He invites you to use. He, he wants you to step in. But things will get done without us. I, I mean, again, uh, you're looking at the life of this church. God will use whoever's here. Whoever steps to the plate. And obviously God has ordained this time for you to really consider where you are in the life of your church and also in this world because he wants to use you. And we want to serve alongside of you. We want you to enjoy the spiritual growth that comes almost you know, so quickly when you start serving. When you start serving, you grow up very, very fast. You know, in a large growing church like this, as we continue to grow, one of the things that we hear often, and it's really an attack of the enemy, is, you know, it's just so hard to connect. It's so hard to connect. It's so hard to connect. The church is so big. I mean, if, you're hard, if it's hard to connect here, let me suggest something to you. Let me suggest something to you. Choose to serve others. Ask to pray for someone. You're going to learn a name every week. Ask somebody out for coffee. You can pray. You're going to learn something. Get involved in a ministry and start learning the Bible together. Get in, a, in, in one of the home groups that we have, the life groups. Get involved. Start sharing your life. If you start to serve people, you will have an endless supply of people to connect with. Endless. If you start looking at what you can do as you step into someone's life, you will never have that thought ever again. Because you will be connecting with so many people, you'll start saying, I am so tired of connecting with people. And then you have a different dilemma. God wants you to connect. He wants to use you. So step in and be used of the Lord. Amen? All right, Father, we thank you for today. Uh, we are so excited about what the future holds and, and what you want to accomplish. Whatever you're doing in Aurora, in Denver, in Colorado, the U.S., around the world, whatever you're doing, we want to be a part of it. We want to be a part of it in every area of why we exist. And we know that as a church, we can't do everything, and we won't do everything, but we will be faithful, and we will walk forward, and we will obey you, and we will rely upon you. And so bless this precious church, God. Raise up men and women to learn in these last days, not with their own agendas or anything, even as we'll look at later studies, but just an agenda to serve you. We don't need seniority. We don't need this attitude of climbing the corporate ladder or comparing ourselves or any of that stuff that's been in us, but we just want to serve where at the end of the day, we'll hear these words, well done, good and faithful servant. Enter into the joy of your Lord. So we pray that in Jesus' name, amen. We pray that you've been encouraged by this Bible study delivered live from the sanctuary of Calvary Church. For prayer, call us at 877-30-GRACE. That's 877-304-7223. To listen to this message in its entirety or to join us for our live stream services, visit us online at calvaryco.church or download our free Calvary Church app. Be blessed as you worship Jesus this week.